Bailey, she's Juliana Osborne and this is Inside Exec. Today we've got a case study to share with you and I'm going to set the scene and bear with me if it's a little bit convoluted because the situation is actually a little bit convoluted in that sense. The basis of the case study is a proposed change to legislation that relates to a constitution of an organisation. Now this legislation is West Australian based because that's where the organisation was first created, but the organisation is an Australia-wide organisation. The management of the organisation, so the CEO of the organisation is based in New South Wales and has delegated this task to a subcommittee. The chairman of the subcommittee is based in Tasmania, is not interested in communicating electronically, shall we say. Everything has to be done by letter, sometimes by phone, but mostly by letter but she is extremely experienced and knowledgeable about the organisation and that was the reason why she was placed in the chairman's position for this subcommittee because of her knowledge of the organisation and its history in relation to the constitution. She has delegated the task of day-to-day -day interaction under sufferance, the delegation happened, to someone in Western Australia who is on the committee on the basis that communication would still happen between the two before any actual decisions were made which would naturally happen in terms of a committee. There were other states represented on the committee who, and the, that representation has gradually fallen away as the need for input has lessened. So it's, it is basically just these two people at the present time reporting back to the CEO of the organisation in New South Wales. The CEO is of a cultural background that doesn't allow her to actively manage people. She would rather let them do things and then deal with the consequences in the best way that she can. She's, she's not an active manager, I would have to say. She's a passive manager and that's a cultural thing. She's very good at what she does, but she defers to others in the organisation as often as she can or thinks appropriate. The chairman of the committee in, in Tasmania is a very strong personality and has often been seen as a barrier to the organisation moving forward in, the, in recent times, but is still, as I said, very knowledgeable about the organisation and has great value to add to this situation in terms of making sure that the changes that need to happen to the constitution will happen in a way that doesn't fundamentally change the constitution itself. The person in Western Australia is probably the strongest of the personalities, very much a person who will just go in and do what she thinks and then tell everyone else later that's what it is, and is often found in a position of justifying any action she takes regardless of what anyone else will say. So we now have a situation where the West Australian government has said that we'll have this series of workshops to help organisations to make changes to the constitution that will be required in terms of the changes to the legislation. We're very early in that process. We've probably got another 18 months to go before the, the changes need to come into place. As an organisation, this, this organisation has looked at the constitution so they have an idea of what needs to be changed. It's not a whole lot that needs to be changed. The situation that has occurred in the last week is that the West Australian person demanded of the finance person in the organisation copies of all of the finance records so that, in her words, she could see how the finances were being managed. So this 
threw up the red flag to the finance person who said, how dare you suggest that I'm not doing things the right way or that you're going to take... And, and the bottom line was, you're going to take these to a meeting where there are not people who are members of the organisation. Our constitution at this point says that members of the organisation can ask for and see the financial records and we have no problem with that, but you're going to take this to a meeting where you're the only member of this organisation and you're going to have these financial records in your possession and potentially available to up to a hundred other people who are not members of the organisation and I don't see why that should happen. So what ensued then was a verbal sparring between the two of them about who was right and who was wrong and, and all of the posturing that happens with those sorts of personalities when everybody's right and everyone's doing the right thing and they're all very busy. The upshot was that the West Australian person was requested by the CEO to send all of the documentation that is happening around this implementation to the rest of the committee so that they could all advise her of the action that should be taken and her response was that she would get around to it sometime but she was very busy with other things. So that's where we stand at the moment. How do we recommend that the CEO takes charge of this situation? And ruffles or unruffles the feathers, smooths the feathers, or not, as the case may be, and has everyone back working for the same outcome, which is that the Constitution will meet the legislative requirements in 18 months' time. <laughs> and now we've taken six and a half minutes to talk about this, the case study. Fulgana's going to fix it for me in about the same... I'll give her about the same time. Go! Thank you very much, Kim. <laughs> Um, I guess there's so many things in, in this case studies and a lot of it has been covered in other podcasts. So I'll just call the headings first, then maybe the how. Strong leadership is required. Clarity is definitely required. And the clarity is in regards to what the guidelines are. Are they still relevant and the latest guidelines and, in, in, and the change, the impending change? So that's the guidelines in terms of people's roles and responsibilities. Well, the, the guidelines of the organisation okay. first, right. yep. and then definitely, absolutely, about who's responsible for what yep. and the roles they play. Mm -hmm. So in doing that, and communication, people are making assumptions and not knowing whether you can use that information outside a certain circle. That person who's extremely experienced and was kept on because of her strength in understanding the company, in fact, had an, she's not really aware of mm. the fact that you can't take this to a meeting. By questioning the person responsible for the finance information, it's a bit like questioning each other. So the respect, the recognition of each other's value, and the most important thing, how they all matter and they have to work together. Mm. So teamwork. We talked about teamwork before, leadership. We talked about communication, understanding roles and responsibilities and company values and guidelines. In this case, maybe a lot of assumption has been made by the CEO who thinks that they know what they're doing, I respect them and I'll, I will not micromanage them. Mm. Mm. And that's very good, except my advice to that CEO is that, you know, you need to be a little bit more involved <laughs> and showing a lot more leadership. The person that is the person with all the information, uh, sorry, don't assume that these people have been here a long time so they know. You, we all need 
constant reminders and refreshes. Mm. So maybe what to do and what you can do on the guidelines from the right area. If it's a finance guidelines based, then the CFO can send that around to everyone. If it's about communicating certain information, that might be a commercial in confidence. So the legal arm, again, all that has to come from the leader, the CEO, to, to identify those things. It doesn't have to be a confrontation, but it's, it's a good reminder. We got into this situation because we have forgotten who does what, who's mm -hmm. responsible mm -hmm. for what, yeah. and who to communicate with whom before you do anything, yeah. and what are the guidelines. The geography and the personality is obviously an issue. We had an extensive session with David Skillen on managing remotely. And this is a great thing to bring up right now is because we, this is within the same country. <laughs> and we, we're still having differences. And there's time differences and, as well. And, so. and time differences, that's right. So we mustn't assume. The other thing is, and I, I like the idea that this person comes with a lot of knowledge and historic knowledge. The person is not embracing what is basic technology <laughs> and A, they allowed to get away with it. Okay, if we do that, I'm not saying no, force them to use, you can and you'll be right to do so, CEO. However, if you chose not to, let them know because we value you so much mm -hmm. that we want this from you. We're making allowances for us to be talking to you instead of sending an email, for mm. example. Mm. And, and therefore, let them know that, no, they're they not there to do it their way. It's a company, or it's an organisation, I should say, whatever. And it's got certain values and behaviours, and we're a team. Yes, and I think that that's probably one of the things that has been overlooked, is that, that on the one hand, they're acknowledging this person's experience and value to the organisation, and on the other hand, I do hear them constantly complain about the cost of sending mail to this person continuously and we don't have to send mail to anyone else and they don't because we don't do it in our minds I guess we're so used to technologies we don't do the comparative value you know mm. yes you're, you're spending a dollar to send a letter at this point in time but how much are you spending on that time sitting down to send the email to compose the email to send the email to make the phone call you know, there, there's still a cost involved in all of those things. It's, it's not free. So mm. the comparative cost is probably fairly close to the mark. Really, you're not spending any more time or effort or dollars on this person who isn't using the technology. The other thing is they're just on that very point. Has anyone, and that's a question, not for an answer, but the question is, has anyone said, no, the email is not so hard to use, I will show you and we will be patient and dedicate time for somebody to sit there or, I mean, even send them to a local, there's a lot of free learn to use technology mm. courses in each state or pay for that. If the person is refusing... I don't think it's refusing so much. So right. I think it's part... Scared of it? No, I think mm. it's part of the persona that, that is, has developed that this is an organisation where it, it's artistically based and so there's there's a certain streams that you can follow. There's a traditional stream and there's a the modern or the, and, or the contemporary stream. And this person is very much in the traditional mould, always has been. And I think this is just part of that approach is that she's quite happy to stay in the traditional mould and the traditional mould where she's happy and comfortable is that you write a letter. The thing is we're not an island and if uh, 
Sorry, it's funny. But but the the point is is that she's still part of the organization yes, and part is. of the yes. team. And yeah. so if we all want it our way, it won't work. And I think that's where the leadership has got to yeah. come in there. And and, and the organization and does offer both. The organization yes. does say, you know, mm. we can do it by email, we can mm. do it by, by post. So if you're mm. offering both don't resent the fact okay. that you've got to do both. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that the yeah. organisation was offering both. So yeah. in that case then, yes, totally agree. So yeah. And this way, put that one to bed. It's mm. that we all yeah. agreed, in other yeah. words, to, yeah. to go that way. But I guess looking at this scenario, you could see all the good management practices, if they followed and if they done. And it sounds to me like everybody's doing it from a good place, but it's still not working. So... The, the head of the organisation is trying to be a good leader by letting he trust their people, trust they know what they're doing and do it. But leadership can't be totally absent. It's not leadership. Well, I think it comes down to a, a personal approach as well and perhaps yeah. that there is an opportunity for some of these people to develop a little bit more in terms of their personal approach. Yes, they've been giving to this organisation for a long time, but they're at a point where it seems to me that they give on the basis of what they get back. It's mm. the what's in it for me. No, it's, it's worse than what's in it for me because it's I'm only going to do this because I know I'm going to get this in return mm. and that's going to make me more important or seem more important in the organisation. You know, along those lines, the basis is that they're not... You can't, I don't believe, ever give on the basis of what you get in return mm. solely because it just doesn't work. You know, you're better off being generous of spirit, of giving because you want to give for the organisation, not for an individual return but for a return to the organisation. And you'll find, in my experience, that you get more than mm. you've put in. You know, the return is greater than the input when you do it not on the basis of what you're going to get back for your own personal benefit in these situations. I think in the sort of organisation we're talking about, it's uh, we're not talking here about working for pay packet no. as such. So in this case, I think the individuals will do well by reminding themselves why they got there in the first place. Mm. And they got there for the love of it. They got there because they love that sort of stuff. They love being part of it. They love to contribute. And sometimes they forget and end up into the politics of day-to-day -day interactions instead of... And doesn't that happen in, in business anyway, as well? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And, and we've talked about yes. how you tread the political yes. footpath. <laughs> yeah, and, and to me is that it just takes away that your own enjoyment, so go ahead and enjoy it more. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes, I think in this situation the leadership is the, the thing that we need to work on first and we need then as part of that leadership position is to restate for everyone's benefit what the roles and responsibilities are yeah. in terms of the constitution because that's yeah. what the task is yeah. at, at the present time. Yeah. And so that everyone is clear, you get them to restate what they see Mm -hmm. you know, as a leader, you yeah. put out this. These are the roles and responsibilities of all of these people who are involved. And what I want you to do once you've read it is tell me what you're going to do that relates to those roles and responsibilities. And it's no different to th these days. We like to see 
applications from people when they're applying for for positions where they will address the selection criteria, where they yes. address the job description, where they say yeah. how their experience relates to what we want them to do. Yeah. And this is no different. It's just throwing it out from another angle of saying, mm. this is the job you're doing, this, these are the, the areas of your responsibility, how are you going to do it? Yeah. And written into that is a reporting structure so that they know how they have to get that information that they're responsible for back to the organisation or the management committee at a broader level. If you look at that suggestion and look at when was the last time that was done, I bet it's more years than anyone can remember. Well, it'll be like zero. Yeah. It's and not so, ever been done. So the key is, is to do it, but also to do it not too frequently, but to do it at intervals that there is a slight change, whether it's a constitutional change, whether there are new people on board, or with a change of positions, take that opportunity to refresh exactly what you just said, Kim, back to roles, responsibility and guidelines. And even if they have been unchanged, it's just a refresher or it, slight change in some aspects. And it can be an age of an organisation as well. It might have developed from a group of people who gathered together because they all had the, the same interest, the same pursuit, and so then it was more formalised and it grew and it grew and it grew, and not at any stage until there's almost a generational change mm. does someone say, I don't know how to do this job, I don't know how to do this task, because so-and-so has done it for all of these years and they've done it so well, and I can't do it the same way because I'm not that person. Give me some framework, tell me what to do. And if you haven't got it written down, the things we talked about in the podcast about knowledge transfer and knowledge management... All of that stuff is important across the board, regardless of the age of your organisation or where you are at this mm -hmm. point in yeah. organisational growth. Okay, we've covered it. I hope that when I review and edit this podcast, I will see that that herself has given me the resolution of this case study. Of course I have. <laughs> <laughs> and if she hasn't, if you feel that you could add oh, something yes. to, to the discussion, just drop us a line through email or on our Facebook page and we'd be more than happy to take it on your suggestions. And share it with everyone else. Uh, certainly share it with everyone else. I'm Kim Bailey, she's Fuliana Osborne and this is Inside Exec.